last and final installment of Legacy. If you were just joining us, we've been in this series for five weeks, and uh, today is the grand finale. How many of you have seen the movie Hidden Figures? Hidden Figures, this incredible movie if you have never seen it before. Hidden Figures is a biographical drama about three um, African-American women who were in the middle of the civil rights movement between blacks and whites, and they had a dream that one day, due to their abilities in mathematician, could one day work for NASA. How many, who's seen it? Raise your hand if you've seen this movie. If you haven't, go get it as soon as we're done. Just go rent this movie. It's a powerful movie, and it's three women. I want to, sh- I want to introduce you to the actual three women that are in this movie, uh, that are portrayed in this movie. Mary Jackson, Dorothy Vaughn, Katherine Johnson. Each one of these women were the elite in their trade, whether it was mathematician or whether it was in science. They had incredible abilities, and yet, unfortunately, they lived in a day and age where that was highly suppressed. And so, Dorothy Vaughn is, uh, I, want, I want to share a little bit about each one of these ladies, and I want to show you a little bit of their story. Dorothy Vaughn well, became NASA's first black supervisor in 1949. These women were pioneers in science and math. They called them the black, uh, the computers in the black west wing. That's what they called these women. Ka- uh, Catherine Johnson, uh, she was phenomenal in her, fear, uh, in her field. She did trajectory analysis for uh, Alan Shepard's Freedom 7 in 1961, which was America's first human space flight. In 1962, at the request of John Glenn, who is probably most, one of the most famous astronauts, John Glenn decided that he would not launch until Katherine Johnson had ran all of the numbers on the launch. Now they told him, why would you do this? We have all of these computers that have said that this launch is perfectly fine. He said, get the girl. And uh, she came in, did all of her actual mathematician to it, and she said, it's cleared. He said, if she says it's good, I'm good. And in 2015, President Obama awarded Katherine Johnson with the Presidential Medal of Freedom, which is the America's highest civilian award that you can get. But my favorite out of all of these is actually Mary Jackson. Mary Jackson, she had a specific job. Her job was actually to do test flights and get all of the data from the test flights and to give all of that information to NASA. That was a part of her job. But before that ever happened, uh, she was a whiz in mathematician and in numbers. And she had a boss that said, you need to become an engineer. Now, there was a problem in those day and age, though, was because in order for you to become an engineer to get a degree, you had to go to a certain high school. The problem with that is that high school only accepted white people, didn't accept black women. And so she had, a, she had kind of a moment. Do I just give up on my dream or do I try to figure out what I can do to continue to press on? If you've seen the movie, there's a clip in the movie where she decides that she's going to approach the judge in that city to give her a pass to be able to be allowed to go into that college. And so I have it for you. Why don't you check it out? I think we are rendering a great service to our nation, for this is not a struggle for ourselves alone. It is a struggle to save the soul of America. Mary Jackson, petition to attend courses at Hampton High School. Good morning, Your Honor. Hampton High School is a white school, Mrs. Jackson. Yes, Your Honor, I'm aware of that. Virginia, still a segregated state, regardless of what the federal government says, regardless of what the Supreme Court says, our law is the law. 
Your Honor, if I may, I believe there are special circumstances to be considered. What would warrant a colored woman attending a white school? May I approach your bench, sir? Your Honor, you of all people should understand the importance of being first. How's that, Mrs. Jackson? Well, you were the first in your family to serve in the armed forces, U.S. Navy, the first to attend university, George Mason, and the first state judge to be recommissioned by three consecutive governors. You've done some research. Yes, sir. What's the point? The point is, Your Honor, no Negro woman in the state of Virginia has ever attended an all-white high school. It's unheard of. Yeah, unheard of. And before Alan Shepard sat on top of a rocket, no other American had ever touched space. And now he will forever be remembered as the U.S. Navy man from New Hampshire, the first to touch the stars. And I, sir, I plan on being an engineer at NASA, but I can't do that without taking them classes at that all-white high school. And I can't change the color of my skin. So I have no choice but to be the first, which I can't do without you, sir. Your Honor, out of all the cases you're going to hear today, which one is going to matter 100 years from now? Which one is going to make you the first? the night classes, Mrs. Jackson. Nineteen fifty-eight, Mary Jackson became the first black engineer at the age of thirty-seven. Thirty-seven, and I love the fact where she appeals to the judge and says, "Is any cases you're going to do today matter in a hundred years?" Come on, how many know what that word is? Legacy. That's legacy. That Mary Jackson was willing to be the pioneer, to be the one that is willing to go first. And all of us in history have looked at people that were willing to be the pioneers, the ones that were willing to go first. But how many know it is not easy to go first? It's not easy to be the pioneer, but pioneer is all about legacy. And you can't have a legacy without being a pioneer. Legacy has to start with someone being willing to go first. Who's going to be willing to go first? Come on, how many know we're going to be a church that's willing to go first in places nobody else goes? We're going to break pride and poverty and prejudice. Come on, blacks and whites worshiping together. Come on, how many know Sunday is the most segregated day of the year, I mean of the week, but not at OSC. Come on, we're going to make sure. Come on, if if you're white, we're glad you're here. If you're black, welcome home. Glad you're here. And if you're white and you don't like that, there's another church for you because this is going to be a church that loves blacks and whites and Definitely Hispanics and uh, Asians, we got them all. So, and I love, here's the deal, Catholics and Protestants, rich and poor, black and white. Come on, how many know you don't see that in churches nowadays anymore? God has called us as a church to be the ones that are going to pioneer, 
And we're going to do things first. And if you're just joining us, I, I want to show you a, a quote, and then, then I want to give you a definition of legacy, which we've been going through for the last five weeks. But I want to show you what Mother Teresa said. She said, I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a stone across the waters to create many ripples. And that is what our role is. If, you, if you're taking some notes, I want you to just write this down. It's going to be the fifth time you've written this down, but hopefully this is driving home. Legacy is the future. Everybody say it with me. Is the future without you, but still, but still influenced by you. It's still influenced by you. That, that it, is the, it, is, it is the future without you, still influenced by you. Pioneers go first. Pioneers leave legacies. No pioneers, no legacies. Come on, how many of you thankful for Pastor Bubba and Miss Tracy pioneering a church in Jennings to come and be a part? Come on, take someone willing to go first. And I love this because here's the reason why we can pioneer. Because we serve a Savior who went first. We serve a Savior who went first. Jesus was the ultimate pioneer. He came in and he did things first that nobody else would do. And so today in my message, I want to share to you about because Jesus goes first, we now can also go first. There are things that Jesus did that we can now do. What Jesus modeled was meant for us. Everybody say that with me. What Jesus modeled was meant for us. So what Jesus did, he wants us to do. And so I want, I want to show you three. There's a number of areas that Jesus went first in. We don't have enough time today, but I want to show you three really big areas that Jesus went first in. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this first one down. We forgive because he forgave us first. We forgive because he forgave us first. Anybody in here grateful to be a forgiven person? Anybody in here? Come on, I'm glad God forgave you, that you were freely and fully forgiven. And because of that, you can freely and fully forgive other people. Ephesians 4 says it this way, be kind to one another. Some of y'all need to highlight that one. <laughs> Tenderhearted. Now watch this. Forgiving each other just as God in Christ, what? Has also forgiven you. That you and I, we are free to forgive because we were freely forgiven. I love what Pastor Andy Stanley says. This is, this is how he, he phrases forgiveness, and I love this. He says, in the shadows of my hurt, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy. But in the shadow of the cross, forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. Come on, how many of you believe that to be true? That forgiveness is something that we give, not because they deserve it, but because we didn't deserve it either. I, I, I wrote another quote down if you want to you see it. Watch. This is what, when I don't forgive others, it's not because I can't forget what they have done to me. It's because I forgot what I've done to others. I was expecting that to get a lot more amens. I'll do it again. Okay. So, yeah. Isn't that true though? The reason we hold other people, we grudges to other people is because we have so quickly forgot what we did to other people. And so as soon as we can get beyond the fact that no one's been sinned more against than Jesus, can we all just agree that Jesus has gotten more sinned against than any of you? Anybody in here been crucified? Any, any, any lashings on your back that you didn't deserve for things that you did not do? And so listen, somebody cut you off in traffic, just forgive them. Just forgive them. It's not, it's not a, don't hashtag bad day. That's not a bad day, okay? That's not a bad day, all right? Jesus is the only one who could hashtag bad day. Maybe the Apostle Paul, he could hashtag bad day. You and I, for the most part, can't really hashtag bad day for the most part. Now, we all have had bad days, and we have had people hurt us. 
And I know, I know you sitting here and you go, Pastor Josh, but you don't know. You don't know what they've done. No, I don't know what they've done, but I know what they did to Jesus. And I know that while Jesus was on the cross, his final words were, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I don't know. If I'm on the cross, I ain't forgiving nobody. But Jesus calls us to be forgiveness to others because of what he has given to us. It reminds me of a story of an, an attorney um, I read this in an article a while back. I, I clipped it because I was like, at some point I know I want to share this story. It was an attorney that, um, was, that got radically saved and he started learning about God's forgiveness for him. And he knew that he needed to extend forgiveness to so many other people in his life. And one of the biggest areas he wanted to extend forgiveness to was clients of his that could not pay him for his services. He, he had been their attorney, and they just said, we can't, we can't pay you, and they were accruing debt. And he said, you know what I'm going to do for this Christmas season? I'm going to write a letter to every single one of those. There were 17, 17 clients, and I'm going to tell them that their debts are forgiven. They are canceled. They don't have to worry about it anymore. So he gets cards. He goes through the process of writing individually on every single one of these cards, their name, how much they owed, how he had seen God forgiven him, how he was forgiving them and canceling their debts. And he had his wife send out all 17 of, the, of these um, cards to the people. 16 of the cards were sent back because they were rejected because the people thought that he was sending them letters to try to get the debt, not realizing he was sending them letters to forgive the debt. And you know the same is true with God? That God on the cross bore our sin, bore our shame, bore our guilt, rose again from the dead and says, I give forgiveness to anyone who believes in me. And he wrote it in a book and he gave the book to us. It's a letter. And the only reason why most people are not receiving his forgiveness is because they won't open the letter. The same is exactly true. And, and, and I'm going to tell you right now, this is so important. You go, why is this so important? Because forgiveness is not just for you to, be, uh, to live the best life now. It's for you to live the best life forever. Because listen to me, people don't get to heaven because they were good. They get to heaven because they were forgiven. Are y'all with me? Y'all tracking with me today? Okay, the only people that go to hell, people are like, why would God send people to hell? God does not send people to hell. People choose to go to hell because they want to pay for their own debts. God paid the debt already. All you got to do is open the letter and receive the forgiveness, and you get in. Come on, how many know that's the best deal ever? Best deal ever. So God forgave first. He forgave first. And because we've received his forgiveness, even when people hurt us, even when they mean to or don't mean to, we can still offer forgiveness to those around us. Number two is we love because he loved us first. First John chapter four says it this way. Look what first John says. We love, everybody say that. We love because what? He first loved us. We love because he first loved us, that, that he initiated. Religion is, God, is man chasing God, but, but Christianity is God chasing man. It's totally different. Religion is all about you cleaning yourself up, and you've got to be lovable, and you've, you know, you've, got, to, you've got to clean yourself off before you can get into church because God can't accept you because he's not going to love you with you all jacked up. But no, the gospel says, no, 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 in your jacked up state, Jesus loved you, pursued you, came after you. This is how it says it. Watch, watch what it says in, uh, in this verse. It says, but God put his love on the line. 
And this is how he did it for us. He offered his son in sacrificial death that while we were, when I watch this, of no use whatever to him. When did God love you? When you had nothing to offer him. When you were at your worst, he loved you. He gave his son for you. He didn't wait for you to be lovable. He loved you. Now here's the question, what is love? I'm going to give you a working definition of what I think love is. Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. Anyways, anybody else go there whenever you heard it? Mm, 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 mm. Okay, anyways, so let's stay spiritual here. What is love? Watch this. Love is wanting the best for someone at your own expense. Love is wanting the best for someone at your own expense. You want to know if you really love somebody? Are you willing to give them something that costs you everything? Are you willing to give up some things? Are you, willing, are you willing to give to others? See, because love doesn't give the person what they deserve, it gives them what they need. Isn't that what Jesus did? So Jesus puts his love on the line and he offers his son. Why does he offer his son as a sacrifice to us? Because we needed a savior. So he offered himself as a savior to us. He didn't give us what we deserve, he gave us what we need. And how are you glad God didn't give you what you deserve, he gave you what you need. And if you're not shaking your head in here, I pray that he gives you what you deserve so you realize. Anybody want that? Hey, why don't you just hold your hand? I'll pray God gives you what you deserve. Okay, nobody's, nobody's responding to that one. Don't act like, listen, don't act all pious up in here like you got your act together. We know you jacked up. We understand that. And I love the fact that we serve a God. Think about this. You know people right now in your life that are the worst. Like when I say who's the worst, you've got a list right? Shake your head if you agree with me. Yes, they're the worst. They, maybe they've done something to you. Maybe they've talked about you. Maybe they've done something to someone you love. They are the worst. And so you have chosen to cut those people off of your life, right? Oh, you don't think so? Yeah, yeah. That's why you're sitting on the opposite side today because that person walked in and they sat in your side. And so I'm like, hey, why are you sitting on the left side? Oh, I just love Jesus on this side. No, you don't. The person you don't like is on the other side. Come on, let's be real today. So we got, we got people that we don't really care for and that, that we know the worst about them. And, and, and we respond oftentimes to them based off of what we know about them. Here's the best part though, ready? Jesus knows the worst about you and still loves you the most. Let that sink in for a minute. Jesus knows the worst and loves the most. Like, if you and I had what went in our head put on a projector screen up here, you would not want to be in the room. Can we all agree with that? If, if there are things that are in your life you don't want anybody to know and you hope never gets out, and yet Jesus knows them and he still loves you in spite of it. Can we tell you that that is an incredible love? And that love right there that is not marked by your loveliness and not marked by how great you are, but marked about how great God is, it, it, it now does something to us. Because you can't receive this overwhelming, undeserving love and just sit there. Like you've got to do something now. Like that love's got to flow out from you. And so God says, okay, the love you've received from me now go love others. Watch, this is what he says. Husbands, pay attention here. I'm gonna help you out today. Husbands, go all out in your what? In your what? I had, I had one husband respond to that one. Okay, guys, 
Listen, if you want brownie points, I'm telling you, it expires at midnight. You better get it right now, okay? So husbands, go all out in your Yeah, yeah, just squeeze her hand. Yeah, that's you, baby. All right, go all out in your love for your wives. Watch, exactly as what? As Christ did. Who went first? Christ. Christ went first. Just as exactly as Christ did, husbands, we're going to now, what was modeled for us is now meant for us. I'm gonna do, Jesus went first in love. I'm gonna love, and watch how this love is marked. It's marked by what? Giving, not not getting, every husband in here understands that. It's marked by giving, giving, giving to our spouses, giving to our kids. I feel like I'm always giving, <laughs> it's getting. And his words, watch this, his words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring out the best out of her. A man that truly loves his wife, loves his wife as Christ loved the church. Christ not only said, I love you, but he did love. He acted in love. He sacrificed. He gave of himself. And so when I hear, you know, husbands say like, oh, I just don't love her anymore. I'm like, what are you talking about? I just don't love her anymore. And so I'll usually bring them to this passage. Well, Ephesians 5 says, you know, you need to love your wives as Christ loved the church. Well, I just don't really love her. Well, then, hey, the Bible says at least to love one another. Can you at least do that? Well, man, I really don't even like her. Well, the Bible says to love your enemies. Can you do that? Okay, can we start there? Let's, that went right over y'all. Y'all missed that one, okay? So, or y'all weren't wanting to laugh. I don't know which one. I'm not laughing at that. That's not funny. No, I would, I would never do that, babe. I'd never do that. Yeah, that love is marked by what we do. It's marked by our giving. And so I, I shared this actually in our marriage series back in February, but I want to share it again because we have so many new people you know, when people tell me that they got a divorce because they, they, they ran out of love, like, oh, we just don't love anymore anybody, I said, that's preposterous. You know why? Getting divorced because you ran out of love is like selling your car because you ran out of gas. You don't sell your car when you run out of gas. You know what you do? You refuel. So listen, if you come into my office and go, we just don't love each anymore, it's not going to fly with me. I'm just letting you know. You can go ahead and save your time because I'm going to go refuel, refuel. Fuel, refuel. Because love is not an emotion, it's an action. And when you do the action, sometimes you'll get the emotion. But that's why we don't worship God, because I just don't feel it. Well, he's worthy of it. Why don't you just give it, and maybe you'll start feeling it. So if you're, if you're not feeling that, I don't got that love and feeling, well, start doing loving things. <laughs> maybe, just maybe, you're not feeling the love and feeling because you're not doing anything loving. And I say that in love. <laughs> because this is what Thomas Akempis says, watch. Whoever loves much, does much. Whoever loves much, does much. I was talking to Ms. Tracy just a minute ago. On the foyer, we were talking about Pastor Bubba. Which, by the way, if you don't know, Pastor Bubba's home. Like, he's home, he's home, he's home, he's home. We're excited about that. He's out of all the hospitals. He's doing phenomenal. I took him to therapy this week. We hung out all day. I saw him bench pressing stuff. Man, he was just getting it and all that. And uh, Miss Tracy told me that uh, one of the things he told her was while they was at the hospital, I had shared this a couple of weeks ago, one of his doctors had said, you are a miracle. Like the fact that you're alive and doing as well as you're doing, like you're a miracle. 
But he just told, uh, he told Ms. Tracy, she passed this on to me, that the doctor also came in and said, I just want you to know this. I have never had a patient that has had as much community as you have had here at this hospital. There has been more people and pastors and family come into this hospital to pray for you, to be with you, to stay with you. I've never seen this in the history of my life. How many know that's spiritual family, somebody? That's spiritual family. And that's not, listen, that doesn't just happen for Pastor Bubba. Did it happen for you? You better believe it did. And listen, because that's what family does. Family loves in the darkest of moments. And you'll also get hurt by family. It happens. Anybody in here, your family's hurt you? Raise your hand. Point to them. No, I'm joking. Don't do that. Okay, no. Don't do that. <laughs> so. And so, uh, <laughs> I was pointing at my boys, not my wife. I was just letting y'all know. It's a, so this is what God calls us to do, to love. All right, number three, we give because he gave us first. We give because he gave us first. God gave to us first. I don't know if you realize that, people. God was always the giver. One of the greatest, I think, illustrations of this is in the Old Testament. See, because in the Old Testament is a, is a picture of God's people. God would call them, he called them the people of Israel or the children of Israel. And God provided so much for them. God got them out of slavery, out of, out of, out of Egypt. He provided for them out, a way out. Then he also provided a rock that had water. He provided, come on, Mickey D's coming from the sky, okay? This is, I mean, just falling, manna from heaven every day. He provided a cloud by day and a fire by night. He was their GPS system. He provided that all for them, free of charge, by the way. He also provided them a place called a promised land, a place that was designed specifically, that he made specifically for his people, a land of blessing, flowing with milk and honey and incredible things that he had had for them. All of this God provided for them free of charge because he always gives first. But there came a moment where finally God said, okay, now that I've given you all that I have given you, now I want you to build me a house, a sanctuary. And, and think about this, in that moment, God's done all of that up to this point. God could have easily said, I'm going to build myself a house. But he says, no, no, no. Watch, watch what he says. In Exodus chapter 25, he says, then the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of children, uh, tell the people of Israel to bring me their what? Everybody say that with me. Their what? Their sacred offerings. Accept the contributions from all whose hearts are moved to the offer. That, that we as a people, that this is what he's saying. Listen, tell the people, you're going to build me a house. And everybody whose heart's moved, tell them to bring an offering. And it's, it's not just any offering. It's a sacred offering. It's a holy offering. And watch, watch, watch the next verse. And so it says this. Is there another verse on this? They went to Moses and reported, the people have given what? More than enough. They've given more than enough materials to complete the job the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave the command, and this message was sent throughout the camp. Watch the message. Oh, this is awesome. So here's the message. Men and women, don't prepare any more gifts. No more tithes. No more legacy offerings. No more any of that. We, we got enough for the sanctuary. We have enough. So the people stopped bringing their sacred offerings. I... I I have yet to be at a church where the pastor got up on a Sunday and he said, hey guys, your tithing offerings last month, too much, stop, stop giving, stop it, quit it, we got enough, 
But undoubtedly here they are, and in this moment, the people were so moved by what God had done for them first that they said, that's all we got to do is just give an offering. And, and the Bible says they kept bringing and kept bringing and kept bringing and kept bringing that Moses had to say, stop, 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 stop. We got enough, we got enough, we got enough, we got enough. That's my prayer for our church. That, that we would be so moved by what God has done for us. 